Dreams Door Service, where service is their specialty. Proud sponsor of This Morning with Stacey Bratzel and Daryl McIntyre on 630 Chat. 8.06 this Friday morning. Our hospitals, they are mm. jam-packed. I just hit some of the wait times on a Friday morning at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of them, uh, you know, seven hours over at yeah, the Yeah, we're Stollery. hearing 11 hours for some In people. In some cases, at some times? Mm-hmm. Is, uh, well, that's not an emergency if you have to wait 11 hours. What is happening? Is uh, we, well, we have somebody on the line who is he was on the front lines mm-hmm. uh, right now trying to help as many people as they can get through this cold and flu season amongst all of the other emergencies that wind up in our ERs. Dr. Shazma Mathani, she's an emergency physician at the Royal Alexandra and the Stollery Children's Hospitals. Good morning. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. I know you just got off the night shift and bed is calling, so we appreciate your time. <laughs> how, how, thanks for having me. How are you, how are you doing? And, and when I say that, it's in, I think that that provides us with an idea as to what else is going on throughout emergency rooms in the city. How are you doing? I mean, aside from being tired, as Stacey alluded to, um, I, I'm, I'm worried, to be totally honest. It's been... Um, a really challenging few weeks and and I don't know what's changed this week in particular but it's really um, affecting the emergency department. I I came off three shifts in a row in the pediatric ER at the Stollery in Edmonton and we're seeing wait times that are um, quite unprecedented. I hate using that word but because it seems like everything is unprecedented but it just Mm -hmm. keeps getting worse and worse right and so the wait times are very challenging the volumes are high kids are getting sicker we're seeing kids kind of continue to deteriorate in the waiting room before being rushed in because they're waiting for so long. And, um, you know, in talking to my colleagues who've been working uh, both, uh, you know, on the nursing side, the respiratory therapists, the doctors, like we're, we're very worried that, that there are going to be misses and bad outcomes because of this. So what are you seeing primarily? Definitely a big influx of respiratory um concerns uh, a lot of influenza a there seems to have been uh, just kind of anecdotally another increase in rsv uh, that seems to be coming in terms of the swabs that i've been seeing of the patients that i'm sending but lots and lots of respiratory viruses um, where kids are coming in with difficulty breathing uh, requiring oxygen and often requiring admission to hospital and then of course the problem with that is as we have an increase in volumes of patients being admitted we feel that crunch in the ER because things get full upstairs and then that trickles down to us and then we don't have as much space to see patients in. Uh, I'm not a parent, but I've talked to some. I have one that's in, in the room with me. If my child is having trouble breathing, uh, I'm not going, well, I don't want to, to bog down the emergency. I want my child to get some attention. What, what are you supposed to do as a parent to decide whether yeah. or not to run the risk of being stuck in the waiting room for hours upon hours on end versus whether or not my child is really, really ill? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, My answer is always, if you're worried, you come to the ER. And there is a triage system, right? And so what that means is that the sickest kids get brought in first. Um, So somebody who's struggling to breathe, someone who has, uh, you know, abnormal vital signs, like a low oxygen level, for example, will be near the top of the list. Um, The problem we're seeing right now, of course, is because there are so many sick kids, there are a lot of people at the top of the list to come in. And we're trying to do the best we can by, you know, often seeing people in the waiting room starting oxygen therapy in the waiting room, starting treatments in the waiting room to help kind of um, 
get things going while we're waiting for a bed inside. But again, to answer your question, Daryl, if you're worried, you come in, you call 911 if you're really worried, or even consider calling 811. There are lots of really helpful nurses and doctors at 811 that can help you count the breathing rate with your child at home, that can take all the information for you and help you decide what the best thing is to do. You're giving kids oxygen in the waiting room? Yes, we are. Is this a staffing issue? Is it a capacity? It sounds like it's, 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 it's yet another perfect storm where it's staffing, it's capacity, it's illness, and it's, it's I don't know, maybe just a shortage of, of hospitals. I don't know. Is it all of those? Yeah, it's, it's multifactorial, as you alluded to. I mean, this is this has been years in the making. It's not this is not a new issue that's being raised that we have capacity issues. It, it's it's a combination of um, staffing, uh, burnout of the existing staffing, so people not wanting or being able to work as much simply for their own health. Um, capacity issues because, as I mentioned, we're seeing sicker patients, so that means more people are being admitted, um, and we need more space. Um, people are just generally sicker. We're seeing a particularly bad respiratory virus season right now as well. So it's, it's a combination of many different things. These wait times aren't going to go down because just like everyone else, nurses, doctors, support staff, they take holidays around Christmas. It, that, it's just going to get worse, isn't it? I mean, it's going to get worse um, because of the, tra- the known trajectory of the respiratory virus season, right? We haven't even seen the peak typically, for example, for influenza, which is what we're seeing a lot of right now. The peak is usually around January or February. So we're, we're not even close to the peak right now, which is scary to think about. Um, I mean, yes, uh, people take holidays over, um, uh, over like the end of December, but the priority is always staffing. So there's like a cycle of holidays to be taken. The emergency departments are always going to be staffed. Um, but those volumes are going to continue to go up. Uh, you know, I think I think you're running hard and trying to keep up. Have you thought about what could be done in the short term, in the immediate uh, next few days or next few weeks, next couple months, that would alleviate some of the, the issues that you're facing? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to answer that question because a lot of these things are because of a failure of long-term planning and a failure of long-term uh, um, understanding that this, this was very predictable right like when we don't prioritize things like staffing and system capacity when things get stressed this is this is what happens it's happened last year as well but it's of course worse this year in terms of some short-term mitigation measures i mean we're um there's a surge op- uh, unit that's opening on the in the salary wards today actually today's the first day that it's open to try to kind of offload some of that um, capacity of admitted patients there are community pediatricians who are stepping up and um, working in in that surge unit to help uh, the existing pediatricians that are in the hospital, and so there are a few a few system stretch things that are happening. But again, these are like these are temporary band aid solutions because that capa- that capacity demand is going to continue to rise. And unless there are uh, you know medium and longer term solutions in terms of staffing, in terms of uh, physical space, mm-hmm. uh, and in terms of prevention and community uh, uh, community. Um, increases in capacity as well, we're going to continue to see this happen and, and to get worse. We need to start thinking about more medium and long-term plans and, and ideally trying to keep people out of the hospital by increasing uh, primary care in the community. Let's talk about that. How can we keep ourselves, our kids out of the hospital? I know that there's plenty of times as a parent, I'm just like, 
do I take her in? Do I not take her in? And then we, you know, uh, we do some, you know, some Tylenol, cold baths, hydration, and then the fever comes down and she's okay. But I had to make sort of that decision and that call as a parent. Do you have some tips on on helping us make the decision whether we need to go to the ER? But of course, there's the kids who can't breathe who are hooked up to oxygen in the waiting room, which which scares the bejesus out of people. Yeah, I mean, for, I would even take a step back from that. First and foremost, uh, to ideally prevent needing to come into the ER, please get vaccinated for influenza and COVID. <laughs> like th- these are a lot of these are preventable illnesses that we're seeing um, or, you know, going to decrease how sick people get. If you get vaccinated, if you're um, if your child is sick or if you're sick, please keep them home so that we're trying to mitigate the spread of these viruses. So first and foremost, prevention is key when it comes to deciding uh, if you should take your child in, um, 811 is an excellent resource. So if you're not sure, calling 811 to help uh, give some uh, information on how to treat the fever at home, what a normal respiratory or breathing rate is, um, you know, what you can do to manage your child at home and some um, tips and tricks. So uh, calling 811 is really helpful and they can help you decide wh- what you should watch for and, and when you should take your child in. Of course, if there is a breathing issue, though, if, if you know, your child is struggling to breathe, um, calling 911 is, is the best option to help try to get paramedics to you to help get that breathing managed while we're trying to get you to the hospital. Uh, just before we let you go, because you need to get some sleep, <laughs> uh, is, is there a better time of day? Uh, I was talking about some of the, the wait times at 8 o'clock in the morning. Does the time of day impact at all how long the wait times are, or does it matter? So previously, um, the mornings were better, and I mean, I guess maybe they're slightly better right now, but right now we're actually seeing prolonged wait times in excess of like five to six hours throughout the entire day the wait times get higher as the day goes on just because that that it builds right if we can't bring people in this quickly it'll continue to build but Mm -hmm. even the morning is very busy right now um you know if you asked me five years ago uh what the best time would be i would say between it would be between you know six and eight in the morning because it was uh, often that we could empty the waiting room out overnight that is that has not happened in some time now in in several years i would say because the volumes are just continuing to be very high and i guess parents just have to be and anyone just be prepared to wait bring the charger bring stuff to distract your kids and of course if they their siblings are along too just bring books and 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 just be prepared or ipads so they can uh watch a movie while they're waiting thank you so much dr for your time. Yeah, thanks so much, you guys. Dr. Shazma Mathani, she's an ER physician at the Royal Alex and uh, the Stollery Children's Hospital.